Hello, bonjour and ahoy. I'm Roger Hilton, media presenter and defense fellow at Globsec, an international think tank in Bratislava. And it is my pleasure to welcome everyone to the inaugural Security Hooligans Modernizing NATO podcast, a NATO 2030 Global Fellowship Program project. Transatlantic and global security has never been more complicated or crucial. From a hot war to climate disasters and emerging disruptive technologies, NATO and its 30 allies have no shortfall of challenges to deal with. Given the drive by NATO to modernize and prepare its 30 allies for the future security landscape, the current NATO 2030 Global Fellow Cohort possesses all the content prerequisites to add significant value to this discussion. Each Security Hooligans episode will focus on a fresh transatlantic topic, and we hope you ride with us. This week, the Madrid Summit. With the release of the new strategic concept, the time has come to see if NATO has really delivered. To get to the bottom of this big question, I'm joined by NATO 2030 Global Fellow, Dr. Catherine Shellstrom Elgin, Fellow at the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments, and the big boss shot caller, Savannah Lane, Executive Director at the Turkish Heritage Organization. Thank you for coming to the Ruckus. How are you all doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having us on. I'm really excited to be here. Really excited to be here, especially on the heels of such an important time in our history and just excited to chat with you all today. Speaking of y'all, why don't you let our listeners know where you're calling in from today? Sure. So I'm uh, Catherine Shellstrom Elgin. I go by Khaki, and I am calling from uh, Dairy Farm in, in Virginia, about an hour outside of DC. Not as exciting here as a, a dairy <laughs> farm. Uh, uh, coming in from the, the swamp here <laughs> from Washington, DC, and uh, really excited to be joining y'all today. Well, you know, a farmer and a big boss in D.C., it looks like a good one. But girls, we have a lot to go to. So let's get this ruckus going. It was spicy at the recent NATO summit in Madrid. And I'm not just talking about the weather. Obviously, to anybody who's been following or even somebody who's been reading the news a little bit, there's a litany of security factors that truly made this summit unprecedented in the alliance's 70 plus years of existence. Where, you know, to tell you the truth, some of their subjects, whether it was cybersecurity or climate security, they could have had their own summit. So let's get to it right now. With so much on NATO's plate, Kaki and Savannah, how did the alliance do? I mean, in your opinion, uh, Kaki, did all of the sexy topics get sufficiently covered? I feel so old at the use of the word spicy. No, look, the summit had a lot to cover, as you said, Uh, not only originally as scheduled, but also obviously with what's been happening since February and earlier in Ukraine. So I've been watching the strategic concept being built for you know last year or so, and that was a big enough chunk to have to try to bite out of at this summit. Add to that all that what's happened with regard to Ukraine and Russia, in addition to the just uh, you know sort of predictable topics like you mentioned, climate, uh, resilience, cybersecurity, getting back to forward defense looking at the open door policy, there was a lot to do. But I think what this summit needed to do, and I think what it did accomplish was to bring the allies all together on board with a united message, trying to figure out what it is that the alliance is currently facing and show and demonstrate real strength and unity here. And so I think on that front, the NATO summit accomplished what it needed to. The strategic concept was strong. Um, It was, in my opinion, pretty narrowly focused on the here and now in the short term. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit longer term thinking. But as I said, the greatest priority that I saw out of the summit was building up that unity and confronting the current moment 
And with that, I think the strategic concept, the declaration that we saw, as well as the sort of side meetings, everything else that's come to the summit, I think the policy planning unit and the secretary general and the rest of the staff really accomplished there. All right, well, Kathy, thanks so much for sort of your intro a little bit. Savannah, from your reading, Catherine hit a lot of the big topics, but are you seeing anything a little bit different from what came out of Madrid? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Kathy. I think that there's a lot of really great and, and transformative pieces to really strengthen the alliance. And what I think is important is that it is really focusing on what we are doing here and now. And, and that's important. There's a time and space for that. What I think, though, is really important to bring into this conversation is that for the first time, I think in, in a really long time, there was a massive real spotlight on NATO outside of the policy circles. You know, NATO has been really pivotal, obviously, in the security concerns that we are seeing around the world and the hotspots that have taken over uh, social media, day-to-day -day media, and, and consumers that perhaps normally, I hate to say it, maybe wouldn't have cared otherwise. So I think it's really important to see that we're bringing in new audiences for the interest in transatlantic alliances and just general security in the world. And I think they did a good job of, of playing to that. Uh, you know, really the NATO summit in Madrid, I think, allowed for important decisions to ensure to conserve and, and, and preserve peace, obviously prevent the conflict to, to continue to develop. But I think also it made it accessible for people who perhaps have never followed a NATO summit before, have never been involved in any of these transatlantic policies, and wanted to see the endorsement of a new strategic concept to impact their lives too. And I think they did a, a solid job in, in reaching those audiences as well. Uh, hooligans, thanks so much for the opening comments, and I hope you've packed your passports uh, or some milk to go, Kaki, depending on what your feeling is. Savannah, you dropped them. You dropped a great word, which is a, an interesting segue before we get to sort of a, the actual professional assessment of the strategic concept. But you said new audiences, and as you saw at the summit, you had a few new audience members coming from Asia, from Australia, Japan, and South Korea to come. So what I just wanted to get your take on both now, right now, is obviously China's, you know, the elephant in the room. How did you think NATO did in terms of assessing them as a strategic uh, co competitor, as well as, uh, you know, the role they have to play in solving huge global challenges, whether it's, you know, biosecurity uh, or climate security, Catherine, I'll, I'll let you go first on that one. Did you think NATO struck a good line on this, uh, on this point in Madrid? I think they did. I mean, I, the strategic concept had some of the strongest language we've seen about China in a while describing um, China's ambitions and policies as, quote, a challenge to our interests, security, and values, which is a pretty strong line to come out of NATO, especially if you look at the language in the last strategic concept. That being said, I do think it strove to balance uh, that language with the recognition that, um, you know, China is a major global actor and is, of course, a factor in big global challenges, like you mentioned. So I think what we're seeing is NATO trying to sort of walk that line. But I do actually appreciate the greater recognition of China as a threat. Uh, and the fact that this is in the strategic concept, I think, is a sign that members of the alliance are starting to really uh, understand the challenge that China does face um, or does present, while also balancing, as you said, the, the need to consider global challenges holistically.
I think it's important to note too, for people who are not closely following NATO over the past you know, few years or decade, I think what's really important to recognize is that like, you know, the last strategic concept did not mention China. So, you know, even seeing this, this strong language strong language of the, the nuanced conversation we're having, right, of China being this concern, um, and the new one stating that China's policies challenge NATO's interests is remarkable in and of itself. And I think that Kaki, you, you say it perfectly in the sense of really trying to walk this fine line and, and find balance between identifying, uh, you know, China and their policies, whether that be a significant or direct threat to security of NATO, and also recognizing the influence in the region and, and having to really honestly tread lightly here. So I think just for that clarification, I think it's an important one to note for those who are, you know, not following the strategic concepts uh, from decade to decade. And for all of our listeners out there, if you've had a couple of long nights and you might have forgotten it, when the Beijing Olympics started, as you know, China openly came out and said that they were against further NATO expansion, you know, standing with Russia when it came to Ukraine. And I think, again, like nobody fully predicted how big this uh, the conflict was going to be on the continent. So I, from my point of view, girls, at least it's like NATO didn't take the bait at the beginning uh, about striking a more aggressive tone. And I think it's just a huge sign of maturity, you know, both diplomatically and from a, a technical standpoint that they realize that they need to work with China to solve global problems. Right. I mean, it's still to be seen what's going to happen with them when it comes to their zero COVID policy and what that will mean down in the future. But I think you all had sort of great input on it. And uh, it's still, you know, a subject that's uh, in flux. Um, let's move, girls. Uh, if I know. can. Oh, please, Kathy, go for it. I mean, I think NATO struck a balanced tone on, um, on China in this strategic concept. That being said, you know, while it does discuss constructive engagement, I wouldn't go too far. It is balanced. But I think NATO really does recognize China for the threat that it does pose within the continent, out of the continent, to the international order overall. And I'm just looking at the strategic concept right now. For those of you who might not have read it, the strategic concept um, is built basically in numbered paragraphs. And there are two full of these paragraphs dedicated to China. Uh, and the second of which opens with this line about constructive engagement. But it ends with standing up for shared values and the rules-based international order. And I think this emphasis on values, which is a greater emphasis than I think we've seen um, in the past, and on the rules-based international order is the right direction to go, right? We do need to work with China uh, on big global issues. On the other hand, we need to recognize that its behavior and its state inhibitions have indeed challenged so much of what we hold dear. And I think NATO is pretty bold-faced about that. Uh, Savannah, any closing statements uh, in response to the khaki, or uh, are you ready to move on to uh, you know the crown jewel of the strategic concept? <laughs> no, I mean I, I think khaki is is spot on with that, and, and I mean you know it's 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 a balance you have to strike, and I think that's natural. It's easy to look at the concerns that we're seeing in Europe right now and understand. Um, I mean, even looking at Taiwan and seeing those concerns too. So I think there's there's a need for, and I think a, a closer attention to detail. But I think they did that in in bringing up these conversations because. Um, uh, you know, there's a recognition of the concern, but I think at that point, there's still, a, you know, a business at play and understanding the role that China plays in so many pockets of the world, not just in, you know, in, in one specific region is important to understand. And I think they captured that. No, all, you know, all great comments across the board. And I think the last one, at least also, which before we move on is like, you know, obviously President Putin has been out there saying that there's no limits to sort of the level of expansion between China and uh, and Russia when it comes to a relationship. But, you know, I think even the more that NATO does engage with China, the more that it sort of demonopolizes Moscow's influence them where, you know, it's the given position in the Kremlin that, you know, we are best friends with China and that, you know, we work together on everything. But obviously, 
they're opportunistic and Xi Jinping, if he's, you know, in regime survival, in some circumstances, maybe it will be in his interest to work with NATO as opposed to Russia on some issues. So, yeah, I mean, complicated issue. And I mean, maybe we'll return to it in another uh, Hooligans episode. So, girls, let's move on to sort of the big delivery here, the strategic concept. Uh, the last one was 10 years ago, and I couldn't help. But for everybody listening right now, because uh, I know you in addition to it, 10 years ago, uh, the top of the charts, we had Katy Perry and Flo Rida. Uh, so, I mean, time flies, girls. I can't even, I feel old listening to that. The first Avengers had just come out. And the more I think about it, like sometimes President Putin is a little bit like Thanos as a super villain, as a super villain. So a lot has happened both in pop culture and, uh, on, you know, in geopolitics and whatnot. So Kaki, you touched on it a little bit. I'll go with you first. But I mean, what were some of your views on the strategic concept, whether it was, you know, defense and deterrence or some of the other paragraphs uh, that you had mentioned already on air? Um, no, thanks. So as a preview slash, uh, you know, being my own personal agent here, uh, I actually published a book alongside a couple of other co-editors on the NATO strategic concept in December of 2021, which you can find online um, for free. And so this is an issue, as I said, that I've been thinking about for quite some, some time. And as we built that book, we, we purposely brought together individuals from different nations, but also from different generations to try to think about some of the big issues that we're likely to face in the strategic concept. And I think at the end of the day, as I said, the strategic concept, I think, was a clear message about the unity of NATO and the direction um, and the diagnosis of the current moment. If I had to critique it, I would say that the strategic concept theoretically, um, which, you know, to be clear, for those of you who might not be NATO followers, strategic concept is essentially a strategic document that sets the direction for NATO, uh, both politically and militarily, but also bureaucratically. So it does a couple of functions. First, it signals to both adversaries and um, partners what NATO is about and what NATO will focus on and helps allies uh, message back home, but also focus their own efforts. And importantly, it helps focus and guide um, NATO processes for you know, several years to come. So as you said, the last strategic concept was in 2010. It's been 12 years. Um, it's unclear exactly when the next one will come. They, they're offered sort of as necessary as the allies decide that a new one is needed. So if I had to critique it, um, I would say that I think the strategic concept that was released last week does a very good job of diagnosing me here and now, but in terms of giving a future direction for the Alliance, in terms of creating a vision, a positive vision for what the Alliance needs to become, I felt that that was a little unclear. Um, so I'm sure that we continue to work. Um, this process is followed up by not only a military planning process, but other sort of internal processes in NATO as well. So there will continue to be clarification, but I think this strategic concept was the beginning of a conversation and not the end of one. So hopefully we'll see more messaging around a vision of what NATO should look like in 10, 15, 20 years coming out in the next weeks and months. Uh, Kathy, thanks sir, for your first diagnosis, whether it was thumbs up or thumbs down. And Savannah, before I go to you, Kathy, what I just want to put you on the hot seat for a second is if you're an ally in the Baltics uh, or somewhere in Central and Eastern Europe, whether it's Slovakia, I mean, how do you think the alliance did in terms of these big announcements about shifting from enhanced forward presence to enhanced forward defense? I mean, 
if you're a citizen, whether it's in Thailand, Riga, uh, or Vilna, sitting, are you sitting a little bit better knowing that this document has come out and some of the big announcements with the troops going up there now? Um, no, Roger, thanks for giving me uh, yet another platform to self-promote uh, here. So the institution that I work for, the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments, uh, just released this month uh, a report that we did on Baltic's deterrence and defense. So I've spent the last nine months or so really thinking deeply about Baltic defense. And I think that NATO came out um, with a number of strong initiatives that will increase the defense and deterrence capability um, on NATO's eastern uh, line. Everything from uh, Stoltenberg's announcement of increasing the rapid reaction force from 40,000 to 300,000, which is a huge increase, um, a clear focus in the strategic concept on forward defense, enhanced battle groups, pre-assigning specific forces for defense of specific allies, all of these things will help. That being said, there's still a long way to go and the devil's in the details. So what are those 300,000 forces look like? Where are they coming from? How ready will they really be? There's still issues in logistics. There's still air, issues in air transport, um, electronic warfare, air defense, uh, ammunition stockpiling, mobility. Clearly, there's still a long way to go, but I do think that uh, the alliance took a couple of very strong steps. And if I were sitting in some of the capitals, I would feel better, but not yet satisfied. Well, you know, we need to sort of provide equal platforms uh, for self-promotion. So uh, big boss, Savannah Lane, uh, what was your takeaway about the, uh, about the strategic concept? Well, well, look, I just have to let the audience know that none of this promotion was planned or uh, thought of ahead of time. So Kathy is <laughs> really on a roll here. Uh, and I'm just excited to have this conversation with you and really talk about our program. But, you know, back to this strategic concept for those who have not been following it. I mean, the last one accepted in, in Lisbon in, in 2010, when you hear of Katy Perry and Flo Rida and Avengers in the same sentence, you know, we're, we're really <laughs> dating it back here. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that, I mean, the biggest thing here to me was understanding the rapidly evolving and changing world. And that means technology, that means disrupting and emerging technologies, cybersecurity, all of these elements that of course, or I, I'm not a, a cybersecurity or, or a disrupting technologies expert, but understanding how much has rapidly changed from 2010 to where we are right now and where we're going to be looking towards in the future. I think that's a big component. Um, they touched on that, obviously, including a number of other elements and the erosion, let's say, of arms control, disarmament and nonproliferation architecture and so much more. So there's a lot to cover in this strategic concept. And I think, you know, to use more of an American uh, idea here, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback, right? I mean, and, and I'm talking here American football, but it's easy to take a look at this and have wishful thinking and, and, and understand where we're going. And I think there was a little bit of that in this strategic concept because of what's happening right now in Europe, around the world. Um, it's easy, easy to kind of play into this wishful thinking of, um, okay, well, if we set this tone, if we set this agenda, if we set this real uh, push for uh, you know strategic cohesion, we're going to be able to prevent and avoid that. And I think that's um, you know that's that's a challenging place to be. What I do think is important to understand in the strategic concept is that there is a lot that is covered, but just like Kaki said, it's a start. I, I see this more as the starting and spark of the conversation versus the, the here and now of here's one, two, three, ABC of how we're going to accomplish it. And I think that's really going to be important is to see how they continue this momentum because there was a great amount of momentum coming from this from 
the lens of, of audience members, like I said earlier, that had not really been following this maybe perhaps beforehand. It's now uh, more of a commonplace conversation that you're going to find around the world because NATO is in, in such a spotlight right now. So I think it's important to continue to promote this momentum of the modernization of the, the you know, the moving forward of NATO into where we are here and now to not be leaning into this wishful thinking and, and, and playing into the Monday morning quarterback of, of what could have been or should have been. And so I think this forward thinking document is a great starting point. But as Kaki said, you know, the devil's in the details. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be really important to see how they move these bigger chunks of conversation, um, really important conversations. I don't want to take away from that. This was a really important step, but how, how they implement it moving forward and how that incorporates all of the, the NATO allies and, and future partners. Uh, well, Savannah's coming out here, everybody, like Cardi B on her new song, uh, Hot Stuff here. Savannah, I'm just loving your sort of take on sort of this holistic approach about security, right? How it's 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 critical infrastructure, uh, it's cyber, it's not, you know, it was just so easy back in the day when it was just, you know, bi uh, binary Cold War, uh, you know, we had uniforms and stuff. So I think it's great that you brought that up for all of the listeners out there that, I mean, security means so many more things than it really used to. And I think, as you said, you know, rightly slow. The strategic concept is more of a springboard. We're just at the starting point about this, and it's it's moving in flex. For me, uh, I really just get the sense here for the security hooligans, for all of our listeners, we are very pro-climate security. We are very pro-green. But I mean, I think NATO did an amazing job uh, sort of releasing this emission targets uh, and how they're really prioritizing and valuing green tech as not just in a means to uh, lower their carbon footprint, but as sort of a game changer on the battlefield and uh, you know that will be a massive strategic advantage. So before we get to sort of the last sign off here, girls, we're in the sort of last part of it. Any final comments, strategic concept, thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think this is really, you know, the starting point and conversation. And I think that when you have the adoption of fully integrating things like climate change into technological edges and enhancing, or at least understanding what the alliance needs to improve upon, I think is a good conversation always to be had. Um, I think also understanding that the naturally the world is rapidly changing, the, the security environment around the world is changing, but also the audience and, and who is um, supporting or not supporting NATO is changing. And so trying to not necessarily play to those people and those audience members, but to understand that, look, there's a, there's a human security element, you know, the women in peace security agenda um, and fulfilling a lot of the NATO's uh, three core tasks are, are intertwined. You know, the idea of integrating climate change, they're, they're reaching people that um, perhaps would not have necessarily supported some of these agenda moments to begin with because they were lacking a, a full uh, discussion around those elements. So including those policies, I think it's really important to bring in, um, you know, new policymakers, new experts, but people who perhaps haven't followed before. And I think that they are on the cusp of something that's really important to modernize NATO, to make it more accessible, uh, to therefore strengthen it, because that's really the goal at, at the end of the day. And, and I think that they're on a, a great path to do that. And I'd love to hear from both you and Kaki as well on those thoughts, too. Nice point. Again, like you really hit the nail on the head about, you know, the alliance needs to be accessible to everybody and like sort of the role they play in everybody's day to day lives in providing security, whether it's facilitating trade uh, or other global issues about uh, when it comes to climate. So, I mean, for those, as you said, who are fair weather followers, it's, it's not necessarily so easy. So, again, it's a long term process. And even some of these young uh, leaders projects about how they're coming out with a graphic novel and everything about making it more accessible. NATO's really also getting into the right narrative uh, game as well. So. 
just, I, I wanted to echo a lot of what I heard Savannah say, um, and just say, you know, again, look, this was the start of a conversation, not the end of one. And I, what I think is really important about the strategic concept, but about summits more broadly at NATO, is that NATO helps set the tone for not only conversations within NATO um, or within uh, different audiences, as Sarah described, but also within audiences within member state governments. Um, and so if NATO, uh, you know, as it has, begins to talk about security as being this more holistic <clears throat> endeavor and talking about things like climate change, think, talking about things like values, really describing and digging into what the strategic advantages are that NATO and its allies have over some of the challenges that it faces, these conversations trickle down into national governments um, and into different approaches elsewhere. And so hopefully we've seen some real positive momentum created in Madrid that will go forward for months and years to come. Uh, you know, hooligans, thanks so much for giving the input on that. Uh, now, Savannah, we talked about uh, some of the new initiatives, and obviously, I think everybody wants to know a little bit that, you know, the NATO 2030 Global Fellows uh, and the cohort, they might not be Avengers, but for all of our listeners out there, can you maybe just run us through, you know, the, the most important things about the program and what we're we looking to accomplish here over the course of this fellowship with everybody involved? Absolutely. Well, I guess now is a bad time to tell you that I've never seen the Avengers movie, so I'm doing my best to keep up with these references, but uh, <laughs> I can use context clues here and and I can say that um, it is is such an honor to be working and leading this cohort member uh, member based group. And, and this is really the brainchild of two organizations, two nonpartisan organizations with very different roles, very different audiences and regions. So THO, the Turkish Heritage Organization based in Washington, D.C., that traditionally focused on U.S.-Turkey bilateral relations, not an easy thing. Uh, and, and really moving forward to understanding the, the binding element between the two was this critical transatlantic alliance. And uh, so over the course of the years, we've, we've really focused our and transitioned our focus to NATO. And then partnering with uh, the wonderful NATO Defense College Foundation based in Rome and some wonderful people there, uh, we really created and launched this exciting and dynamic program that I think is just, um, you know, really something we're looking forward to bringing in person together. The NATO 2030 Global Fellowship Program was born between the two. And this is an organization that allows for the modernization of NATO and the strategic concepts through discussion, dialogue, publications, and of course, the meat and potatoes of bringing these fellows together. And that's what we're looking forward to doing this fall. Uh, you know, I think what's really important to recognize is that in its first you know, iteration, um, we were looking to incorporate as many uh, wonderful fellows and in industries and backgrounds as possible. And I was just blown away by the quality of those who applied for this program and, of course, who ended up being selected. So we have 21 incredible fellows from a variety of different NATO allied countries selected from hundreds and hundreds of applications. And that was something that I have to say, I am so grateful I was not part of the selection committee there because I don't know how they would have narrowed it down. But we have fellows from a variety of different industries. And what I think is important to recognize is that we're not looking for and they, we didn't suggest the cookie cutter, you know, policy wonks who are all going to be, um, you know, leading the exact same portfolios and projects in their respective NATO allied countries. We have people from a variety of different backgrounds that help shape and shape a robust conversation surrounding the strategic concept, you know, 
This is not an organization that is focused on just NATO. This is an organization focused on NATO 2030 and that strategic concept, you know, what we've been talking about this whole time, because it's a look to modernize NATO. And I have to give a plug here if we if we can for the, the promotion of just some really important leaders that were helping with this project. Um, you know, Ambassador Tajan Ildem, Lieutenant General Ben Hodges, uh, Ambassador Gabriel Chechia, and, and so many other people, as well as Alessandro Politi from the NATO Defense College Foundation who helped this program um, and, and narrow in such amazing fellows like yourself and Kaki. Uh, and I think what's really going to be important is, is the conversations that happen in person. So we are bringing our fellows together in person in a number of different countries to uh, meet with uh, different organizations, different um, you know, lawmakers, and, and really have these continued ability of conversation for the modernization of NATO at its finest. So we're really excited. And it's, like I said, been an honor to uh, read and learn and, and converse with such uh, amazing industry leaders. Well, I mean, uh, Kaki, before I give you the moment, I mean, obviously it goes without saying we're so blessed and lucky to be part of it. And all of the work that, you know, your entire organization has gone into has really been phenomenal. So, I mean, as you said, just like the launch of the strategic concept, hopefully this podcast and many other products is just the beginning of it. Um, Savannah, you know, you are the big boss and that was a great sort of <laughs> plug there on plausible deniability, but Kaki, I mean, the, the real question is, I mean, do we revoke Savannah's hooligan license having not seen a single Avengers? So, uh, I mean, there's still, there's clearly some work to do, Savannah, but I think yeah. we'll be better than that. Uh, Kaki, if we where, revoke her leadership, I was going to say, if we revoke her leadership, we'll also have to revoke my membership since I haven't seen it either. Um, oh, there you we're go. We're not doing very good on representation front here on terms of Avengers. <laughs> Well, maybe I'm the problem. Actually, you, know, you got two Canadian, you got you got two Americans and a Canadian. So, uh, I mean, Kaki, we, you know, Savannah mentioned very hilariously the meeting potatoes, and you know, seeing as we're on a dairy farm, but uh, you know, Kaki, obviously, we've had some of these meetings uh, already taking place with everybody phoning in uh, from all across Europe and North America. But what are you most looking forward to, uh, you know, as the program develops? I'm really looking forward to meeting everyone in person. Um, you know, after. The pandemic, um, even though we're still facing health challenges, it'll be just so great to meet individuals from different backgrounds, from different um, countries, from different <clears throat> uh, expertises, and be able to discuss these really important issues and also just have fun. So I'm really looking forward to meeting everybody. Uh, well, Savannah, and you know everybody behind the scenes who we haven't mentioned here, giving them a plug. I mean, thank you so much for your efforts, and I hope uh, you know on behalf of the, all, all of the global fellows uh, that will do right by you, uh, girls. We're in extra time now. European football. Uh, I know yet you know is uh, the word football can be quite a controversial topic among transatlantic allies, but you know uh, we're close to the weekend, so let's get started here. Savannah, what are you listening to? Uh, what are you reading? You know, any uh, interesting things you want to share with us or travel plans? Uh, with our audience. Absolutely. Well, I have to say, although I haven't seen the Avengers, I, I am a huge Top Gun fan and I will be, I'm, I'm late to the party here, but I'm going to be seeing the new Top Gun movie. Um, so <laughs> looking forward to that and, uh, you know, just excited to bask in this heat and humidity here in DC. I know it's not for everyone here in the swamp, but as a Texan, I, I love it. So I'm excited to, to get out and, uh, and explore as well. What about you guys? I'm escaping the heat and humidity. <laughs> um, no, I'm actually really looking forward um, to visiting Sweden this summer, where I have uh, some family and spending a lot of time there. Um, and also as a, as a NATO nerd, uh, you know, listening to the NATO conversation that's happening in Stockholm and elsewhere in Sweden. I'm very excited for that um, as, as I look for the next month or two. 
Uh, well, hopefully you'll find uh, an island to get to, right, among the litany of archipelagos uh, around it. Uh, Savannah and Kaki, thank you so much for joining us on the inaugural episode uh, of Security Hooligans. Everybody listening, we're going to be back uh, July 18th. Uh, on mine, I'm off to Portugal tomorrow uh, visiting the Azores. Uh, see, I, I, Hopefully I'll come back with all of my limbs. But for everybody out there, we hope you ride with us. Uh, you know, leave us comments, um, you know, what you want us to talk about. And uh, from here in Central Europe, uh, ciao. And we look forward to staying in touch with everybody. Bye. Thanks all. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs>